0: today, Father God, and we lift you up, Father, and and in spite of the things that we may be going through in our lives, Father God, and whether the pain or the circumstances have become too much, Father God, if we can say one thing, Lord, it's holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Let us find comfort that you reign, Father God, in our lives that you will reign forever we lift you up and we praise your name and God's people said amen you may be seated While we're in chapel, if there's ever a time that you feel the need to pray, you can come and pray here at the altar. Sometimes we find comfort in just coming before the Lord and kneeling, and please know that's always open to you if you ever want to come and pray. Um, Unless you're coming forward to pray, Lord, please help him stop preaching soon, and uh, maybe that wouldn't be the type of prayer I'd want you to pray. But please know this is always a place of prayer. Last week... um, we had the privilege of going to uh, the John Perkins Foundation in Jacksonville, Mississippi with our fusion program, and it was a, a phenomenal experience. And one of the great things about it was just traveling and getting to know some of your classmates, the students that traveled uh, with me. I, I do have a picture of one of those students that uh, traveled. Um, <coughs> that is, uh, that's right. I hope you do that well on quizzes, tests. Um, she, uh, I, uh, she made this face shortly after we had a conversation on why we should not throw candy from the balcony in the sanctuary. And this was her expression to that conversation, but it was a wonderful time to, uh, uh, to just be together and learn a, a great deal. And I I want to talk a little bit about our journey, but uh, we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to uh, 21. In your pew, there are, there are pew Bibles, and if you want to follow along, it's on page 1018. If uh, you want to follow along in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Jesus is now beginning his earthly ministry. Uh, he's been baptized, he's been tempted in the desert for 40 days by Satan. And now he comes out of that anointing of the Holy Spirit from the baptism, preparing for ministry through the 40 days in the desert of fasting and temptation. And he returns to his home in Nazareth. And he returns to the synagogue. And he goes in and he teaches a lesson as he stands to read the scriptures. In honor of the word, will you please stand as we read the gospel lesson this morning. starting in verse 14 of chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of our Lord, let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word has been spoken, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray you apply it to our hearts and lives, that we might be forever changed. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Almost every commentary, commentator that I read on this text would say, we cannot underestimate or cannot stress enough the power of what jesus is saying in this text as he is anointed by the power of the spirit he returns home to the synagogue and he says the spirit of god is upon me we don't know for sure if this was the assigned reading of the day or if this was just something that jesus wanted to read so he turned to it but we do know for sure that the lord is saying i am the messiah the messiah has come And in these few verses, 18 through 20, he is describing what it looks like when the Messiah comes because the expectation that the Jews had at the time was a little different than what Jesus was proclaiming. He tells them that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's really setting the framework for the next three years of his life of what his ministry will look like. To preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, release the oppressed, proclaim the Lord's favor. That is what the ministry of Jesus will look like over the next three years. And since the church is the body of Christ, that is what the church should look like. That is what the ministry of the church should look like. This text was opened up to us last week by one of the staff members at the Perkins Foundation and we looked at it throughout the week. And it was only after I got back that I started to recognize connections that we had made to this text. And I had a lot of questions and there was a lot to unpack and we won't do that here today, but I just want to actually encourage you this morning. First, I want to let you know about John Perkins. I think we have a picture. Of, that's Mary. Uh, in the middle there is John Perkins, and he would lead our devotional every morning. And you may not know John Perkins. He wrote a book called Let Justice Roll Down, but let me just tell you a few things of what others have said about him so you might have an understanding of this man's life. Charles Marsh, who is professor of religion and society and director of the project on lived theology at the University of Virginia has been quoted as saying, John Perkins is one of the most significant civil rights leaders next to Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Peter Goodwin Herzl out of the New York Theological Seminary writes in his book, Jesus and Justice. In the post-civil rights era, John Perkins emerged as one of the most important black evangelical leaders. Perkins is one of the pioneer leaders of prophetic evangelicalism in the United States. Several generations of evangelical leaders have been inspired by his writings and his teachings on the three R's. John Perkins began as an evangelist to children. He still today this, believes that his primary call is to children and to young people. And he tells them about the love of Jesus and how we must begin our spiritual journey as he preaches good news to the poor, as he preaches the good news to his community, that it must always begin with accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. That is where it begins. That is what Jesus came to do and John Perkins faithfully proclaims that message now almost 80 years old. He te- they talk about these three R's that he's been teaching for over 40 years. These three R's are relocation, redistribution, and reconciliation. He believes if we are really to be Christian, we must be into relocation. And what that means is incarnational evangelism. Living in community with the poor. And approach the poor in spirit with compassion and willingness to serve. It's not just giving a handout and feeling good about yourself because you gave money to the man on the corner that said he was homeless one day and say, well, my job is done. Perkins preaches a message of evangelism that says, no, we must go and live with the poor. We are not better than they are. We read in Philippians 2 that Jesus took on the very nature of a servant and Perkins is saying we must relocate and take on the nature of the servant to the poorest of the poor, the least of these. He talks about redistribution and how we should share our talents and our resources with the poor. Now, I know you un- I understand you're college students. You may not have resources financially, but you're about to receive a college education. That is a gift. Perkins will teach that you must now redistribute this to those who do not have the privilege that you have. Be good stewards of the gift that you have been given by being able to attend here. We must redistribute. Finally, his third R is reconciliation that we must embody the message that we are all one in Christ and that Christ has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, and we must be reconciled one to another. And his ministry over the past 40 to 50 years has constantly been integration, especially within the church. Now, if these renowned professors of Dr. Marsh and Dr. Hetzel do not impress you, maybe some of you who may know the Christian band Switchfoot, who I didn't know of, have a new album, and one of their songs is entitled The Sound, John M. Perkins Blues. Some of the quotes that he shared with us this, uh, last week, I can't unpack, but I want you to understand his, his background and where he's coming from. First he said, we don't hate individually, we hate in groups. We put people in boxes, and we hate everyone inside that box. The Republican box, the Democratic box, the liberal box, the conservative box. We put whole groups of people into a box and hate them all. statement he then said later was, the KKK statement of faith was almost the same exact statement as those southern evangelical churches during the civil rights movement. He talked to us about a new injustice. And this is, really was amazing to me, and I've heard him say it before, and it's still so powerful he says the new injustice is to a people group that i have the most concern for a group of people that i am most worried about a group of people that are the most neglected the new injustice is the neglected is the neglected and the hated poor white people of the south he went on to say everybody hates them they used to have the kkk but The KKK is not as powerful as it once was. And they used to have the churches, but now the southern evangelical churches have talked about health and wealth, prosperity, gospel. So now poor white people in the deep south have nobody, everybody hates them. Another quote from Perkins, just so you can understand the man and hopefully encourage you to read him, and we've already scheduled to be at his location next year and the year after, if you're interested. He says, poor people don't need your money. Poor people need justice. Poor people need education and equity in society. A powerful man to be on, And if you have an opportunity to join us next year, I'd encourage you to do that so you can meet this incredible man who I'm trying to schedule for chapel next year. In Jackson, Mississippi, (coughs) we toured around different civil rights monuments and uh, met incredible civil rights leaders, and we understood most of them now in their late 70s or early 80s uh, we went to the home of Medgar Evers, who was uh, gunned down in his home. He was uh, the general secretary for the NAACP, and there was a movie uh, written about him, made about him called The Ghosts of Mississippi. Um, we met his brother, Charles Evers, who's now in his late 80s, a very, very unique individual, uh, very honest and upfront, runs a radio station there, had a wonderful time and conversation with him. But the highlight for me is we visited this campus, a college campus, that is not too much larger than us. The undergraduate enrollment was 800. It's called Tougaloo College. It's, a, it's an H.S. B.C.U. college, a historically black college and university, and we had this young man, Patrick, give us a tour of the campus. Tougaloo was founded in 1869 by the American Missionary Association to provide teacher education and industrial training for African Americans in Mississippi. From its start, Tougaloo served all races. A white student was among its first graduating class. But as you walk on this campus and you see the low-hanging moss, I'd never seen a moss tree, but they have these low-hanging moss trees uh, throughout campus, you quickly realize, especially after you speak to one of the students, that the campus speaks. The grounds, the buildings, the trees. They speak a powerful message. For the campus of Tougaloo College was once the largest cotton plantation in the South. There is a home on the campus where the slave master uh, used to live. His name was Master Bodie. As we were walking the campus, we stood in front of this. I pulled this off the internet, if you couldn't tell. As we walked through the campus, we stood between this building and the chapel. I believe I have a picture of the chapel as well. It's a side view of the chapel. And it was maybe a little closer than this church and the administration building. And there were some trees in between. And as we were walking, Patrick stops and says, it is here that we have our graduation ceremony every May. And the crowd would face the chapel with the master's house, the old master's house behind them. And he would say, the faculty will walk in from one direction and the students will walk in from another to the sound of African drums. He says, it is a powerful moment being an African-American and graduating from college on property that was once the largest cotton plantation in the South. Which he also said, beneath trees, there are some trees between the two buildings, not many. He said, beneath trees, what many believed, slaves were once hung and killed. The campus of Tougaloo College speaks. And it proclaims a message of Well, release of the captives. Freedom for the prisoners. In downtown Jackson, there's this also called the King Edward Hotel. And we were told by our tour guides and members of the Perkins Foundation, uh, this is the building when it was abandoned. It just reopened in December of 2009. We were told as we were given a tour that It closed in 1967 because the owner refused to allow black people to stay at the hotel. So instead of allowing black people to stay in the hotel, he closed it. He refused to integrate. And now, over 40 years later, the building is reopened. Some shots of how it stood there uh, for 40 years. Dr. Perkins called it a monument to segregation and integration sitting there in the heart of Jackson and just opened a few months ago. Recovery of sight to the blind, Jesus says, will come. Recovery of sight to the blind, though many in the Jackson community affirmed the decision to close the hotel because they did not want to integrate within the hotels, much less churches and schools. Though it took a long time, recovery of sight to the blind does come. We continue to tour Jackson, Mississippi, and... Actually, we went down a street. I don't have a picture of it, but there's a street called Kevin Garnett Street where Kevin Garnett donated over a million dollars to Habitat for Humanity homes for those that were affected by Hurricane Katrina. We got pictures under the street sign and wanted to play basketball on the court there, but kind of a neat experience to see. But then we also came by this Hope Community Credit Union. Let me tell you a little bit about Hope Community Credit Union. This is off their website. Hope was created to serve as a financial institution for individuals and communities that otherwise may not be able to access the services they need from traditional financial institutions. National and local trends have resulted in many economically distressed communities that are left without mainstream banking resources and local residents forced into relationships with predatory and subprime companies. These individuals often find their assets being stripped away by pawn shops, check cashing outlets, payday lenders, and cash for title operations. In a one-mile stretch, just around the corner from the Perkins Foundation, in a one-mile stretch, we counted 13 predatory lending institutions and no banks. But a few blocks over, we have this Hope Community Credit Union, started in 1995 as a small church project with big dreams. Hope is a community development credit union that helps low- and moderate-income people build a solid, foundation, solid financial foundation for a better future. Hope provides access to a broad range of responsible and affordable financial services such as checking and savings accounts, loans, and financial literacy workshops. They help low-wealth individuals, families, and communities secure their futures. Hope's products and services are designed to meet the needs of both individuals and organizations in underserved areas and to encourage like-minded investors to make their deposits with Hope. As I looked on their website this morning, they also have seminars, foreclosure seminars, and just basic financial guidance and help. And these predatory lending institutions, I never knew too much about them, but you've seen them the check-cashing places and even uh, rent-a-center and where they just charge enormous fees to rent a, a TV or a couch or... Um, this cashier check, they take 25, 30, 40, 45% interest. And we can say, well, why do the people keep going to them? Well, they can't go anywhere else, some of them. And Jesus says, when the kingdom comes, and it has come in Jesus, and as the church carries it forward, the oppressed will go free. And so a small church with a big dream decided to set the oppressed and their community free and do all that they can to help. Another location we went to, final one we'll look at, was a medical facility. I know it's not a very good picture, and I we didn't even get the name. It was the last stop of our tour for the evening. This was like a a giant mall that was abandoned years ago and a nonprofit organization has come in and taken over the entire property and they offer medical care to the uninsured. And it is a top notch Medical facility. See, in verse 19, Jesus talks about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. As we were discussing last week, and as I've learned this week reading and preparing for this message, that many believe that's the Jubilee year, where in Old Testament scriptures all debts were forgiven. Every seven years it was believed that if you were indebted to anyone or you were a slave to anyone, every seven years you would be set free. It would be called the Jubilee year. Now, wouldn't you just give praise to God if The Sally May Student Loan Company uh, really believed in the the Jubilee year. (coughs) If you believe that, say amen. Amen. It's the loudest amen we've ever had in the history of Eastern Nazarene College. Well, that's good. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor so we have those who cannot afford to pay and yet are provided top-notch medical care. Preach good news to the poor. Jesus says that's what's about to happen. You're going to watch it happen in three years. And then the Holy Spirit's going to descend upon the church. And it's going to descend upon the churches today, we pray, to do the same. Preach good news to the poor. Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life. A saving, eternal difference. It's been John Perkins' message from the beginning, but he's taken it so much further. To a holistic presentation of the gospel and not a, a gospel that just plays one chord of just personal salvation. Preach good news to the poor. Proclaim release to the captives. Tougaloo College is a testimony to that. Recovery of sight to the blind. That can happen too, even in some of the most racist and prejudiced cities of our country. Sight can soon come, though there's still a long way to go. Hope Community Credit Union, a small church with big dreams, decided they wanted to help set people free medical facility proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor that if you cannot pay we will still care for you that is Christian I was going a whole complete different direction with this sermon until 5 o'clock this morning it was such an incredible amount to unpack and I'll still be unpacking it for some time as we process and learn and read and um, just so much but I didn't want to discourage you (laughs) Sometimes we can get so focused on what we can't do, we lose sight of what we can do by the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon us. Sometimes we become so focused on our failures and our struggles that we lose sight of the power of the Holy Spirit upon us with these tremendous successes that we need to give praise to God for. These examples are how the church and followers of Christ are to live by preaching good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, the oppressed go free. It's how Jesus lived his life and it's how we are to live ours. And the other reason I wanted to go this angle, did you notice, that that the examples I used was one, a preacher, but another, educators. Tougaloo College. If you're going to be an educator, you can contribute to the advancement of God's kingdom by your career and your calling. Business. Hope Community Credit Union. Financial, You have a responsibility as a Christian to use the gifts that you've given in the fields that you've gone into to let the oppressed go free. Business, management, the King Edward Hotel, physicians, medical facility. You'll have a responsibility to use the gifts that God gives you, whatever degree or whatever direction you go in in life. Will you use it to to live your life glorifying the Lord? I was going to give you these challenging examples we had during the week, and they were and we met some wonderful people that told us stories and perkins story of experiencing racism in the south and others and then i was going to conclude with good news but today i wanted to focus more on the good news and the goodness and the great things that can happen but i do want to challenge you with a question before we go so I just want to reframe it just a little as we were learning about the history of the civil rights movement and saw the way the black community was treated in the south the a question that kept coming to my mind was where was the evangelical church? Where were the churches that you and I attend in all of this? Because the black church of the south called and cried out for help to churches in the north and a few mainline churches showed but mostly it was the Jewish community that showed. And I really questioned and wrestled even now where was the church? Why weren't they a voice? Why weren't they a presence? And I'm sure there were some and a few, but it was definitely a handful. It was not a majority. We went up to the Cary, Mississippi area, which is in the Delta region, uh, the Delta, Mississippi region of Mississippi. It's about an hour and a half outside of Jackson, and I had never heard of the Delta region except in school. I didn't know it is the poorest area in our country. And we didn't want to look like tourists by driving through the neighborhoods and looking at the homes, but but, uh, Wayne Perkins, John Perkins' son, said, it's important that you see this. It's important that you understand. As we drove through the community, we came across this wonderful place that he wanted us to visit called the Carey Christian Center, which is doing phenomenal work. It's been there 40 years, a beautiful facility. Every store in town is closed. Every home is a shack. The unemployment rate is over 50% in the Delta, Mississippi region. Over 50%. Still, my questions, and I was wrestling, Lord, where is the church? And I give God praise for Cary Christian Center. And Wayne could tell we had had a tough day and a long day. He's like, oh, I want to take you to a ghost house. I said, a ghost house? I didn't know this was part of, our, part of our tour. And as we were driving outside of Kerry, we could see at a distance this White House. I don't know if, I think we have a picture. I might not have a picture of the White House, but not the White House, but the White House on the hill. It was a slave owner's home. And it was on this, maybe it was... I don't know, 50, 100 feet high, uh, up above that could overlook hundreds of acres of the plantation. And it it was being renovated. Someone had bought it and renovated. And as we looked across the fields, we could see this church. And uh, Wayne's informed us that this was an old slave church. And I hope the... um, I hope in Mississippi and I hope in the Delta region they have historical societies that are trying to preserve things because we saw former slave shacks that were falling apart and being torn down, and I don't know if there's an effort underway to preserve some of these facilities. But we drove out uh, out into the middle of the field, basically, to, to visit this old, old slave church, and uh, the, the chaplain probably didn't use best discretion in leading a team and said, let's all go inside, um, which is probably not the safe thing to do, I now realize. Um, but we went inside and I think I have a picture of the inside and there's still a piano there. Now, they do believe the church was used in the 70s uh, as well and it looked like it was probably going to be torn down unless the person who, who uh, purchased the home is, is going to renovate the church and I don't know if he will. Where was the church? We see a physical representation of a, a church in decay and, and dying that has probably a really rich and great history. Can you imagine the hymns and the songs that were sung in this little church? But I couldn't help but question is that the way the evangelical church looks today? Are we still preaching good news to the poor? Are we still willing to proclaim release to the captives? Are we still willing to proclaim the message of recovery of sight to the blind and let the oppressed go free no matter what it costs us? even if it cost us our life like it did Jesus. For that is the call upon your life. That is the call upon the education you've received and the resources and gifts and finances that you will have. Will you be that type of church? Will you be that type of believer? Yes. Preach the good news. Proclaim release to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. And proclaim that the oppressed go free. Let us be that type of church. Let us be those types of Christians. Will you please stand with me this morning? Let us pray. Thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for the guests we have on campus today. Thank you that the semester is half open. We pray for our friends we know who have family members that are suffering with illness today. We lift them to you. We pray you care for them and touch them. We pray for faculty and staff and family members and needs that they have. We thank you that you walk with us every step of the way. And Lord, I pray for courage and strength for all of us. That maybe we're the ones who are blind. Maybe we're the ones that need to receive a touch from you for sight. Teach us to be the people you want us to be. May we be the church you want us to be. So for in my life that my son and daughter may never look back upon my life and my time and say, where was the church? Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you that when we see all that we haven't done, you continually remind us there is much that we have, and we give you all praise and glory for that. Thank you at the times we get discouraged. You even send reminders to say, I am a faithful God. The power of the Holy Spirit is upon us. May we live in that power. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Have a beautiful weekend. You are dismissed. Go in peace.